0: On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we talked to Sean Palmer, who is the director of golf at the Union League of Philadelphia. Um, The Union League of Philadelphia, of course, is a very well-known and well-regarded city club. Um, And about eight years ago, they decided to expand into golf. And they reached out and hired Sean Palmer, who was at that point an assistant at Marion in Philadelphia. Uh, He had had some stops along the way at Saucon Valley and Pinehurst, but he'd been at Marion for a while working with Scott Nye, who um, was one of our guests a few months ago. Uh, And anyhow, um, Sean joined the Union League of Philadelphia and really led their charge into golf, Um, they have in the past eight years, um, expanded into three golf properties. Um, and he serves as director of golf for the overall golf operation. He's also GM at their Liberty Hill property. Um, but as you'll hear, I mean, Sean really had to create a golf culture from scratch, um, uh, at the union league of Philadelphia. And he's, he's done a great job and, and their expansion is just, um, really remarkable and, um, I think you'll, uh, you'll be interested to hear kind of, um, some of the, um, ideas he had to sort of grow this culture really from scratch. Um, and also we talked a little bit about his time at Miriam, um, which was really quite rewarding, not surprisingly working under Scott and I. So up next, uh, Sean Palmer from the union league of Philadelphia on this episode of Larry, the golf guy. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy Um, and um, continuing on our Philadelphia theme. We've had a number of people uh, from Philadelphia, the greater Philadelphia area, which is such a golf rich area in both history and in present day. Um, We are joined today by Sean Palmer, who is director of golf um, at the Union League of Philadelphia and for those of you who aren't familiar, that might sound odd. You think of the Union League as a city club and it originally was, but it's expanded into golf in a major way. So we'll, but we'll get into all that. Sean, thank you so much for um, making the time to join us today.
1: Oh, thanks, Larry. It's an honor to be here. And, and thanks for the, the great dialogue you're creating in the golf world.
0: I appreciate that. So um, let's kind of rewind the clock a little bit, um, as I sort of like to do with folks um, in the golf world and kind of find out kind of where you grew up, and how you were introduced to the game, and when.
1: Sure, yeah, I'm from uh, the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, which is, and I grew up in Allentown, and then moved to a, a rural area, small, tiny town called Nutripoli, which is mostly farmers, and and uh, a small high school with one golf course, and um, yeah, I grew up, both my parents were actually nurses, mm. and a uh, pretty blue-collar family, uh, with, with a lot of the men in the family, the uncles, which I had four uncles and a, a grandfather that were really big golfers on the weekends. So they're weekend warriors. Okay. The oldest of, gosh, twenty something grandkids. Wow. Oldest boy, and um, always wanted to be one of the guys. So, um, you know, when they we were hanging out at the pool or something on the weekends, all the guys went and played golf, and really got into it, and uh, played with my my father and my grandfather mostly, and my grandfather was a he, he ran a brewery. Uh, he was a warehouse manager at Stroh Brewery up in Fogelsville, PA. And then he okay. retired to Pinehurst. So he retired oh, wow. a little nine-hole course in Pinehurst. Uh, yeah. And I would go down there in the summer for a few weeks and just, you know, do laps around the nine-hole course with him. And it's uh, really where the, the spark was lit for me.
0: Wow. Um, cool. So did you... Um play competitively at all as a junior play high school teams or any sort of junior golf at all yeah Um, i
1: um i remember buying my first set of northwestern clubs when i was with my first holy communion money uh and uh i started playing tournaments when i was 12 in the lehigh valley they had a great junior league run by a guy named carl gilbert who did great things for amateur golf and junior golf and right and uh and at the time, I played a lot of golf with a, a young man named Matt Matari, who was Gene Matari's son. Gene Matari is the famed uh, director of golf and general manager now retired at Saucon Valley Country Club. Yep. And that was my first introduction to a man that made his career in golf, uh, successful career at a great club. I remember going to the 2000 Senior Open at Saucon and never saw grass like that. Never, never saw <laughs> golf course like that. Couldn't believe places like that existed based on the places I grew up playing and and uh, working at. Um, and that's, uh, what kind of sparked my interest in a career, found out Penn state university had a golf program and I was, I always worked at golf courses. Larry, I caddied as a kid when I was 13, picked the driving range, a great course called old homestead, which is a nice public course in, in new Tripoli. And, uh, you know, i I cleaned carts, did all that stuff, uh, throughout high school. And then I figured Penn state had a PGM golf management program. So, hey, I'm going to go chase that. I was one of those rare kids that knew exactly who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. So I went, went after it when I was younger.
0: Great. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned Saucon Valley. You mentioned Piner. So it sounds like you had some internships there. So that kind of where you maybe uh, started learning the ropes a little bit.
1: Sure. Yeah. First internship was I was lucky enough. Gene, Gene, let me uh, come on over at Saucon. Worked there for just a, a quick summer uh, in 2000. 2004 and um and you know did the junior camps did everything first time in a private club seeing how that interaction was and and seeing what that was like and just learned a lot kept my head down and and did anything I was told um and when you go through the golf management program you have to complete five three-month internships before you can graduate so your summer is full of
0: internships
1: uh, for the the golf management degree and I knew the next year I really really wanted to go to Pinehurst um I had only played the eighth course at Pinehurst with my grandfather of all the years I was down there. And I knew the U.S. Open was coming in 2005.
0: Oh, God, you hadn't played number two yet. That's the gym.
1: (laughs) No, we only went over there and had a nice tea on the porch. We never actually got to play the course. It was this mystical place to me, walking down that corridor. And um, it was just a special place. So I I knew I, I just wanted to get there in 2005 for the U.S. Open. And the day I finished my internship at Saucon, had some great advice uh, from Gene. Is, hey, if you want something, go get it. So I drove to North Carolina and I, I walked right into Pinehurst and gave him my resume, which included two places on it. And I was 19 or 18 years old and uh, a little portfolio I made and said, I'll do whatever it takes to work here next year. And luckily enough, that made an impression. So I was given a, an opportunity to work for a seven month, two internships for the 05 US Open, which was really a game changer for me.
0: Wow. Very cool. So let me think. Oh five, was that the Michael Campbell U.S. Open win?
1: Michael Campbell, never forget that. I, I saw Michael Campbell in thirteen. to Skip ahead at, for, at the U.S. Open at Marion, but I I remember during uh, <clears throat> during the practice rounds going with these little hot dog tickets for lunch. So you go yeah. stand. So during I was working in the golf shop for the U.S. Open, and I go sit on the bleachers at the driving range, which was like where the cradle is right now. And uh, <laughs> I remember I watched. There's nobody there. And I was and. <laughs> One guy's there, and this guy, Michael Campbell, nobody knows who he is. And he shanks one off of 15501, which is 15501 is the road right there. He shanks oh, over wow. the road, and he looks over wow. at his caddy like, oh, my gosh, did you see that? I remember going back in the golf shop and like, you don't believe it. This guy from New Zealand, Michael Campbell, just shanked <laughs> one over the road. What's he doing here? And the guy wins the thing.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, and it's interesting, not to go off too much of a tangent, but thinking of Pinehurst and – um I remember seeing the pictures and well, actually watching back then, and boy, they've changed the course a lot, right? They've taken out a lot of that rough. I think it was Crenshaw maybe that did some of the work on the course yes. there and has made it much more natural. I mean, if you look at it today, I mean, it's really different than if you compare it to the pictures from 05, right?
1: Exactly. I was just there a few weeks ago. That was the first time I've been there in probably, oh gosh, 10, maybe 12 years. So it was, it was first time I played that course and seen it since I saw it before, which I think Fazio might have done it. Or I'm not sure who 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 did it back then, but I can re- recall if you missed a fairway, Pinehurst the rough was really brutal, and you right. had the really thick Bermuda grass trying to hold right. these greens that were impossible. Right. And now that it's much more resort friendly, so if you miss a fairway, you're gonna find your ball. It's it's pretty cut out. You might have some funky lives, but at least you have a chance to get it up there. And totally different than what it used to be.
0: Yeah, very different. So what a great experience. So, um, and <clears throat> I know you've made a few other stops along the way before we get to Union League, some tournament merchandising at Augusta, a little work with, I think, assistant instructor at uh, Jim McLean School at Doral. But I got to ask you about Marion, um, which was sure. sort of your your main job. I mean, what a, you know, you're, you're. I was sitting here listening, talking about, you know, the grass at Saucon Valley. You're going to Marion you know, which is, you know, among the zeniths of private clubs. Sure. Um, both not just as a private club, but just as a, you know, I think probably more USGA championships. You guys in Pennsylvania, I always was joking with your friend Scott and I, I mean, it's like Oakmont and Miriam I have to keep up with on both sides of the state because they're <laughs> kind of the two leading ones. But Miriam, you know, so many um, championships, so much history there, Bobby Jones sure. clinching the Grand Slam on the 11th, which is one of the more famous short par fours. I mean, tell, talk to me what that was like. I mean, you're young, right? You're you're you, uh, your assistant golf pro there. Um, what was that experience like? Well,
1: sir, I knew um, Scott's just one of the best people you ever, you're ever going to meet. And I know you've spoken to Scott, and he's just a great mentor and great a great person. And, and working for Scott, it's a, it's a privilege, and you get to learn so much from a really genuine person. So I I wanted to work at Marion for for not only the reason of the fame of Marion and and the activity of the club. It's a very busy club. There's a lot going on. um, And you can learn a lot just by watching what happens around you. Um, But then working for Scott's just the the icing on the cake. But um, after Pinehurst, I wanted to work at the best club I could in in the Philadelphia area. And that, of course, is Marion. Um, And there's so many exciting things. In 2005, they had the U.S. Amateur um, that they just completed and you know, they were walking into the Walker cup in 09 and then in 13, the U S open, which had not been announced at that time, but, but Marion was just fantastic. I started out at the bottom, um, as an intern there, you know, cleaning the stock room, checking in lots of golf shirts and hats and doing, <laughs> doing everything you do as an intern just to learn the operation. And I, I learned every single aspect of that golf operation. And I would, You know how it goes. The I I was in the staff I was with there. My first internship all moved on to these bigger and better jobs, as you do at Marion as an assistant. Sure,
0: of course. And yeah, the
1: timing of those things happened in such that as I graduated Penn State, um, I spent one winter down with Jim McLean. You kind of go north south as a Philly pro. Sure. um, And you expand your network and learn skill sets, and that was just an amazing experience working for Jim and seeing his his process at Doral. But then coming back, I was offered a full-time position, which was great as a young, young guy, um, at, at, Marion to work alongside with, uh, with, a, with Chandler Withington at the time, who was over at Hazeltine recently. And, you know, you just, uh, you get to see so much and Marion is, it's steeped in tradition. It's steeped in history. You're going to become a student of the game of golf at Marion. Um, it's part of the pedigree of the club, um, with the history of, with, with Jones and, with Hogan and gosh, with Justin Rose and, and everything else, right, that right. more championships than any other USJ championships in other venue. But um, I was lucky that I got to walk as, you know, from no responsibility to a ton of responsibility at senior assistant at, at the end there, because um, I just had opportunities. We had things that were coming down the pipeline and usually an assistant out of college isn't going to stay at the same club until they get their big job or their head pro job. Um, I'm one of the rare occasions I was there for nine years right and I got to you know experience the the Walker Cup championship and meet the friends from the USGA there and then the US Open was was coming in that was a big party and got to meet some great friends I still have with the USGA and um, gosh what a I had an amazing experience at pre-US Open and and during that event and I was just really blessed to be um, you know the right place at the right time.
0: The members there, and I know I did talk to Scott at length, but and I really respect the members, you know, view this as something they want to share. I mean, they've had all these USGA championships, and we know of other courses, you know, that are, you know, highly ranked, similarly highly ranked, that are much more reticent to sort of, you know, have the USGA, particularly at the Open, which is such a big deal, come in. And I think it's just wonderful. I mean, the sense I have from reading about the club and talking with Scott is that the members know what they have and they want to share it and they view it as sort of almost an obligation that you're a member here, there's going to be USGA championships and that's part of the lifeblood of the club. Is that sort of fair?
1: Totally. It's a high high golf IQ uh, club. A lot of legends in the game of golf are members at that club. And it's a, it's one of those places. Like when you go to Augusta, when you go to St. Andrews, yeah. when you go to national golf links, you get goosebumps and Marion certainly is in that category. And the thing that makes Marion Marion is, is the history is all around you. It is what it is. It doesn't try to be something it's not. Yep. And the golf course is fantastic. It's challenging. It keeps you on your toes. And the West course is great. And the whole club atmosphere there is great. And they really are stewards of the game of golf. And there's just no, it's hard to beat the tradition uh, of that club. I mean, it's in a certain echelon of, of golf pedigree that it, you have to, to feel it to experience it. And Scott was an ambassador of that club and i would see how he would have guests that would walk in it's their first time at mary and they just came off the course and he would grab them and spend 30 minutes with them walking them to the archives room where they yeah. can see justin rose's driver or right. the seven iron that rory McRoy snapped over his knee or these <laughs> these old you know all these wonderful artifacts the trophies that really gives you the experience and that's something you just don't get at many places and they it's, it's great that they embrace that history and that uh, tradition.
0: For sure. Um, and, you know, the other interesting thing, and you were there for the 2013 U.S. Open is, um, and, and Miriam is on such a tight piece of property. Um, and I know there was a lot of talk. I mean, I'm older than you. I can remember the run-up to the um, 71 U.S. Open. And, you know, everyone had in their mind uh, Nicholas, when he was at the world amateur, you know, in whatever it was 59 or 60, he just blitzed Miriam. Um, and, and of course he was in his prime, you know, we're talking, he's, he's 31 Trevino's 31, you know, 1971. And, you know, is it too short? Is it too short? And of course, you know, they end up playing off together, but, you know, far from it, it was a great challenge, but then, you know, fast forward, we go through, you know, David Graham's phenomenal round, you know, and we go through the subsequent opens and then we get up to 2013 of course distance is such a topic for the usga and still is with their distance report is as you know and you know is it too short is it too short and boy they had it was challenging in 2013 i'm sure you know I, i i wasn't out there i don't know the course obviously like you do i've never played it but i'm sure the way the fairways were cut and the rough made it challenging but um you know as as um as small a package as it comes in, it's still a real challenge even today, right?
1: Without question, I, I, the the weather leading up to that championship was really challenging. The Thursday the Thursday and Friday before a massive storm came in, there was flooding through the property. And this is leading up to the week of the championship. And I remember all our golf pro staff, we were out in Cobbs Creek fishing things out, trying to clean things up, blowing off sand, like just oh, getting wow. ready. And we right. were very worried that, the defense of the course it's going to get too soft and it's yeah. june and philadelphia gets very hot right I mean, there's all the things that could go wrong with it but luckily the course matt schaefer who is the superintendent at the time and his team did a phenomenal job in getting that thing ready and as you know you know distance isn't all of it at all it's how a course is set up yeah so there certainly were tees that were stretched and at, at that time i think there's a couple there's uh Marion is broken up into three sixes, really. The the front yep. six, if you can get through the, the fifth hole and the sixth hole, you're you're if you can get through that even or, or even one over, you're doing pretty good. You could score, you have the opportunity to score there. And then in the next six and the final six are great finishing holes. And the way the USJ set the golf course up, especially with how soft it was leading up to it, was really smart. And the interesting thing, all the players that came in the week prior. Um, to try to get a, uh, a look at that course because a lot of them did not play in the o, U, U amateur in 05 or, and had not played there before. Um, Justin Rose was one of them who won the championship. At the time, Tiger Woods came when I got, she actually got to walk with him and Joe LaCava and give him a tour of the property, but he was weeks before. Um, and gosh, thinking about Phil Mickelson was the other player that came in prior to and spent some time on a dried marion. Everyone else saw a wet marion for the practice. rounds. So I remember Ernie Els and even during the practice rounds, we had torrential downpours. Ernie Els is up in the merchandise or the uh, media tent getting interviewed and the rain's hitting so hard. You could hear it on the microphone. And someone wow. said, Ernie, do you think, what do you think? Or, or is are people going to go low on this really short golf course? He goes, what do you think? And he points up to the rain beating down on it. And I don't even know if he made the cut. Uh, at, at, <laughs> but we were, I was a little concerned because we hadn't seen that caliber of golf play it, but it certainly held up. But I think, um, I personally think no one got to see the greens and no one got to know the greens because of the conditions part of the championship. And the, the USJ did a great job setting the course up to keep par a check.
0: Yeah, they sure did. Um, and of course you mentioned Phil yet another one of his runner-ups. Um, you know, I remember, I remember when he dunked his second shot on 10 for the Eagle and I was thinking, this is going to be it. This is going to yeah. be it. And then I miss the charm of Miriam, right? 13 is a gentle wedge and he blows it over the green and bogeys that. 15, he puts it on the wrong side and, you know, has to chip over. And, you know, before you know it, the you know, he's he's uh, struggling. And, of course, 18 is such a hard hole and he had to make birdie. And, you know, that's that, that's almost impossible for where those tees are from the back. So, But it was a great tournament. So that's a great experience for you. You're there, um, and then um, let's turn to the Union League because um, they come calling. Um, so let and maybe I'll try to start setting the stage, and you can you can fill in. Um, so, you know, I, I we we don't have a lot of city clubs out here in LA. I spent ten years in Chicago, where there are lots of city clubs, um, and um, and and the Union League of Philadelphia certainly is 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 a great city club you know form what 1862 i mean it's it's got a tremendous history a lot of members you know city block right in the center of philadelphia you know and 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 it has what you'd expect dining multiple dining rooms you can you know stay overnight fitness center business center you know all that stuff and i know it's got some remote locations the bungalow you know in in stone harbor and the guardhouse and Gladwin, but you know, all that is sort of as you would expect. What I would not have expected, and and wasn't present, I guess, yet, um, which is why they called you, is golf. So how did they? I'm just sort of I'm so fascinated by this. How, how did they come about saying, well, we need to expand into golf? Because there's not a lot of city clubs that have that I'm aware of, at least that have done that.
1: No, it, in there, there are a few city clubs that have done it right. Olympic comes to mind, and Olympic does um, right. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Athletic Club in, in Garden yeah. City or uh, Capital City Club down in Georgia, but but yeah. So the real catalyst is Jeff McFadden. So Jeff is this this CEO. is a, was and is now the CEO. Runs the Union League. And Jeff was hired as a young manager in 1998, and the league was in really rough shape at that point. <laughs> And everything Jeff has done since then brought the league from nearly bankrupt to the number one ranked city club in the the country. And his his success uh, paved the way for future opportunities and a lot of trust from the membership of the union league. And it was Jeff's vision to get into the game of golf, thinking he wants to diversify the offerings to his large membership of, of, at the time it was about 3,500 members. In the Philadelphia area, many of which already play golf in certain aspects in different clubs, um, but really has this blanket of membership surrounding the city of Philadelphia. And it was his ambition to um, offer golf that was close to the city and provide opportunities for future generations to engage in the game of golf in a bit of an easier way. Philadelphia has such great golf clubs. Sure, it uh, is. And there's not many public golf courses in Philadelphia. Right. So, I mean, they're doing great things over at Cobb's Creek, which is an amazing story. Uh, But really, where I grew up in Lehigh Valley, there were two private clubs and everything else was public courses. And I have never, believe it or not, when I was a kid, I couldn't wrap my head around why someone would pay all this money to just play (laughs) one course over and over and over. I said, well, why wouldn't you want to play all the other, you know? So in Philly, it's not easy. There's a lot of barriers to get into the game of golf. Yeah you have to join a club, you have to know the right people and all this stuff. Right. So right. Jeff saw an opportunity to, to, to create the uh, asset of golf for everyone. And then all the other things that come with country clubs, pools and, and rackets and everything else. Um, so they, they looked at a few properties and, and were working out deals with those properties. And there were rumors going while I was at Mary about this occurring. And it was at the time where I was really interviewing for some jobs. And it was always my ambition to work at a, you know, a a great private club and I'm coming through the pedigree of these great places. (laughs) Right. I work at a top 100 course and host a championship. Um, And I, the more I, I'm a restless person. I always like to keep moving. (laughs) I like to keep growing. I I don't want to, um, I have a hard time sitting still. So I like to make change and I like to think a little bit, I hate to say, but outside the box. And, you know, the jobs that I looked at I could see myself where I would be in those jobs in 10, 15, 20 years. And it's probably not far off from where I started. Right. Um, so for me, um, learning more about what Jeff and, and the union league were trying to do, they were working out a strategic merger with um, Torsdale Frankfurt country club.
0: Okay. Right.
1: So Torsdale is a, an excellent, excellent. It's a, it's
0: Donald Ross, isn't it? It's a, it's,
1: it's a Donald Ross course in Northeast Philadelphia. It's, it's a, it's a great early Ross course that uh, Jay Siegel, the famed amateur golfer would say yeah. holy trinity of Philadelphia golf. And it goes Torresdale, Frankfurt, Pine Valley, Marion. And it, it is a classic, incredibly hard, tilted green, um, short little course that it makes you hit shots and throw it on tables. And
0: yeah. you, have to,
1: you have to be a player. So it's a well-respected course and it changed and evolved over the years. Um, Sam Snead held the course record for a long time. They turned down a U.S. Open in the in the in the 30s. Wow! Great pedigree in it back you know back in the day. And then the city of Philadelphia grew and expanded, and this became a very industrial um, part of the city, and actually fell within the city limits eventually. Um, and then you know as things happen, memberships change, cultures sure. change, and you know it, the club depreciated quickly with the assets it had. So it was in hard times and it was either going to sell the property or sell off half the property or things like that to, to keep the lights on. So entered the Union League entered and offered to do some major renovations and to um, you know infuse their, their kind of culture and their, their business practices into the club. And that's exactly what happened. So they acquired the club in July of 2014 um, and started renovations. They had Stephen Kay, the architect doing some renovations who was the architect previously helping the club. And from there, um, I was hired later that year, and I, I just saw what the Union League had done at their league house downtown and in these different projects. And I had a lot of faith that these are folks that are very smart. They know exactly what they're going to do, and they're not going to let anything fail. And if they're true to their word, you know, we're going to make this successful. It's going to be a really heavy lift. But I was excited by the opportunity to take something and build something. Um, and I got a lot of free reign to, to do that and to, to build a staff and build a team and to do some really different things in the private club world are, for example, our golf lessons at the union league for our golf members are complimentary, um, to start the game of golf. If you're a golf member at the club, um, it's, it's very easy to do that. You don't even need golf clubs as, as a beginner. We've got everything to kind of get you through. So we kind of broke down what it means to, to become a golfer this in this day and age. And we truly thought I need to figure out how to, a lot of people say, Oh, we're going to grow the game, grow the game. How do you do it in a practical way in a private club? Um, So we really did some pretty unique things and it skyrocketed. So we did a a modest renovation, a couple million dollar renovation in in 2014 open 2015. Uh, And in a year and a half, we sold out the membership. Wow. Raised raised fees in accordance with that. And then uh, it would kind of hit the ground running from there.
0: So you you touched on one of the things I wanted to ask you about. So you're really having to create both an entire golf infrastructure and also really a golf culture, because you've got this existing membership in a city club that, and they may belong to other private clubs that golf clubs, as you noted. But you know, if you're if all you're doing is just belong the Union League Club in 2013 14, you're not a golfer. And so you've got to sort of introduce. I think the the complimentary golf lesson is a great idea. What else did you kind of do to try to create a culture and and the infrastructure to sort of, you know, sort of with an established club create the golf element to it?
1: Early on, so the Union League certainly established as a city club and it has great tradition, but it it definitely is. Uh, innovative in the way it thinks about things and the way Jeff has approached certain things at the club um, is different. And working at Marion, which was very traditional, doesn't change yep. a lot. These are the yep. rules. This is how it is. And that's <laughs> great. Um, yeah. And then picking off other clubs and other country clubs that are successful. I would, I, I grabbed a bunch of operational manuals. I had Shinnecock's operational manual, Augusta, Marion. I had all these different places and, and trying to think of it was almost like you could write your own business plan and if you created your own private club how would you want it to happen and you could rethink it because so many clubs are handcuffed with uh, the word tradition or the word or committees or things that if you ask why do you do it this way you you might lose your job or you might not be able to change things we had the opportunity to start fresh the complimentary lesson program was was one of those and it's been incredibly successful And, you know, statistics to back that up, which is great. And then thinking of the little things that I remember people get frustrated with about, you know, mute at the time, music on the golf course, what kind of attire should you have? Um, You know, kids shouldn't be able to play golf on the weekends or women shouldn't play golf in the mornings or these crazy things that a younger guy is thinking, well, why are all these rules here? Like, how (laughs) inclusive are we? Is this a fun place to be? Or I'm just going to smack someone with rules. Um, so it was we certainly keep that tradition and do common sense approaches to it yeah. um, but really make it approachable and fun in a place that people want to to be around and uh, it, it really took off for us. it was great.
0: That's awesome. I love it um, so and as you mentioned, you, you know you, the the first property was the Torsdale Club, but it's expanded since then so I think you have, you know, the, you guys, what, 2017, I think it was, purchased Sand Barons, um, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, more recently, the Gary Player course, Liberty Hill. Maybe talk a little about that, about how those came out, because you, now you got, if I'm remembering, right, three different golf properties.
1: Sure. Um, it, it, it happened quickly. So, Toursdale was successful. We were able to, to recruit and grow a great staff, which I think helped create a nice culture at the club. Um, we We created a new tradition and we merged the old the old Torsdale members together with the union League and, and I think it was very successful in a short window of time and then because we took an old property that was a bit tired that needed a rejuvenation and we had a success story to tell there. there were other properties that would approach us saying we're in a similar position that Torsdale was. Um, do you think you would want to engage in a conversation with us to potentially expand beyond Tarsdale. And there were a couple of those properties specifically in South Jersey. Um, now, uh, gosh, I think in 2013 or 2014, the Union League purchased the Bungalow, which was a little tiny restaurant in Avalon and Stone Harbor, which most Philadelphians and mainline folks that belong to all the clubs in, in Aronomic and Marion, all these called Philadelphia Country Club, in the summers, they spend their summers at the South Jersey shore. And right. mostly our members, we did some data. We pulled some data and looked exactly where they are. And they were between Avalon and Stone Harbor. So between Ocean City and Cape May, which is the very southern shore points, yeah, bottom of South Jersey. Um, that was our Hamptons, really. So Right,
0: right, right.
1: So really, we had members that had multi-million dollar, multi, you know, multi-generational homes in this area that were invested in, in having their lifestyle there. And Jeff smartly said, well, they're already there. There's no great fine dining there that they can expect. It's hard to get a table on a Friday night to a mediocre restaurant already. Let's create our own dining experience. They did that incredibly successful, um, provided an amenity to our members in the the community that they were already in. So we had an opportunity because we've proven that concept of that's a secondary market for our membership, um, that we could create a golf product there and offer the same. At the south jersey shore there's some great golf courses there's hidden creek there's um galloway national atlantic city country Club, some historic ones but there's nothing close to those shore points beside public courses with the exception of a few privates that were really high quality golf fast rounds of golf so you can get back to the beach with your kids if you needed to and um you know the service that you would expect at at a top-notch club see all these Really, it was, it's more simple thinking about it now than it was then. I lost a ton of sleep over this before. <laughs> but in the, in the moment, you have all these folks that are already dedicated to a lifestyle down there and they already spend X amount of dollars belonging to Geronimic and all these other clubs up here. Right. Um, who, who's to say they don't want to have that golf product close to them, 10 minutes away? And that's what we try to create. So we actually looked at multiple properties at the time arrived at uh, San Barons Golf Club, which at the time, it was a 27-hole public facility. It was a Herdson and Fry design. Um, In 1997, it opened, and it was top 100 new courses, I believe, uh, at the time, a a few years after it opened. So it had good pedigree. Um, Course conditions kind of slipped a little over the years. They put a ton of rounds through there as a public course, and the owners uh, were the family that was ready to, ready to part ways, but didn't want someone to just bulldoze it and and, kind of, you know, uh, really run it into the ground. So we were lucky enough to, to work out a deal there and then hired Dana Fry. So we, we had an initial, initial thought of at the shore. Okay. We want to create fast rounds of golf. We want to create excellent conditions and a great golf experience. At the time we were not thinking we want to have the best new golf course in America. But as Dana got his hands on the property, we interviewed him, he came through, and if you ever met Dana Fry, he's he's got incredible vision, he's a passionate guy, and he's an in-the-field architect. He does not do anything on paper. And you go walk a golf hole with the man, and he can try to explain things to you that you think he's crazy. And he was walking into a cluster of pine trees, and he says, yep, this one right here, everything else goes. (laughs) this one has to stay we're going to grade it down from here and it's going to go over this way and it's going to flash up that way and um having played you know calusa pines and aaron hills and seeing some of his latest most greatest stuff it's we had faith so he did a couple holes for us and we kind of try to keep him in this rain of okay we're only going to spend this much and we're only going to fix this up a little bit and he um He's a kind of architect as well that asks for forgiveness rather than permission. So he goes out and he digging, <laughs> a great digging, line. digging and like and adding more hills. And this is a flat site, yeah, a completely flat golf course. And it was very monotonous back and forth. Sometimes you play out in the holes. You didn't know which hole you were on. You didn't know where the clubhouse was. It was kind of, you can kind of get lost out there. And he started digging down and taking sand. It's all sand. And building it up, and now even an over 60 foot hill, it's so one of the wow. highest points in South Jersey down there. And as he kept proving the vision and showing us bits and pieces, we just kept adding on to the scope. And just finished the course this year after starting in 2017. Um, and we are up for best new golf course in the United States, which is a great wow honor. So we'll see. We'll see if we get that achievement. Um, but it's a truly spectacular club membership down there, especially with COVID and um, what, what happened in Philadelphia in 2020 exploded. Um, the whole membership and that whole community is exploding down there. We've got over 250 people on the wait list for the club. Wow. Wow. The, act, the initiation fees through the roof. And it's just uber successful because of it. it great timing, but um, it really is a, a spectacular property.
0: Wow. That sounds fantastic. Um, uh, and then Liberty Hill, how did that come about?
1: So Liberty Hill um, was owned by, it was Ace the Ace Club and Chubb Conference Center. It was owned by the Chubb Insurance Company. And it had okay. always been owned by insurance companies since Gary Player built it um, in uh, 2001, opened in 2003. Prior to that, it was a Reese Jones Club called Eagle Lodge built in the early 80s. Prior to that, it was a local club called Roxborough Country Club. So the site always had golf. It's just changed over time. Um, and, and the Chubb Insurance Company There's a 38-room conference center here, 120 overnight rooms, um, massive facilities. And then there's also a beautiful, uh, fairly new golf clubhouse built in in just after the golf course was finished in 2003. And it's just an imposing big golf course set on 311 acres. And the Chubb Insurance Company essentially, um, you know, they're an insurance company and they weren't in the business of running golf courses anymore. Uh, and didn't have much value f- after covid uh, for the conference center and running a hotel so they were looking for a, someone that could take the property responsibly not knock it down and put homes on it not um, you know create a public golf course or something like that they wanted someone that would enhance the existing facility sure. and do the right thing for the community and i think we luckily with again with the success of Tarsdale and Union lake national and our prominence in the city um, i think we were a, a a good candidate for that. So, you know, had discussions and and worked out certain things. And then, uh, almost, almost, uh, you know, just over a year and a half ago, that that's, we arrived on a deal and, and acquired the property.
0: Wow. So you got a lot of hats you're wearing. You've got your director of golf. You've got three different properties, three different locations, plus your GM position at Liberty Hill. I mean, how do you how do you balance all? It's got to be challenged, isn't
1: it? It's yeah, <laughs> it's a challenge. Um, it's certainly a challenge, but it's it's great because we're such a structured organization. We've got excellent people, and I I'm just so lucky with the golf team that I've got. Um, I've got a unique role. My my role started as a head professional, where I'd be you know on the first tee on the weekend mornings, and I'd be doing the typical things a head pro did, um, making laps around the golf course and 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 doing that role. And then it's sort of expanded. And as as my, uh, you know, I was pulled in different directions, strategically trying to write golf policy and sitting in committee meetings and going to construction meetings. And and so my time shifted and I learned how to balance that. And then especially now with the three properties, as, as that expanded, I got to great people that I worked with in my life at Augusta National, Jacob Hoffer's, Couldn't live without him. He and he and I went to Penn State together and worked at Augusta together, and and uh, he was at the Inverness Club in Toledo, Ohio.
0: Oh, beautiful, club, yeah, wonderful
1: place, and just an awesome, passionate golf professional, great friend of mine. And and I remember seeing him at the PGA show right when we got Torresdale, and I said, Jake, I'll do whatever I can to get you a job. You come (laughs) help me open this golf course in Philly. I mean, I know it's a stretch, and I know you never heard of the Union League, but I promise it'll be great. And I said, if a job opens up anywhere in the, in the East Coast, I'll, I'll help you get the interview and we'll do everything we can. And he's still with us. He, he runs Union League National and I don't think he's going anywhere. We're great. building some great things, but um, it's people like Jacob um, that we've built a, the team around that uh, helped me you know, do all the different things.
0: So as you look back on this, um, it's been eight years um, In retrospect, any surprises along the way or, you know, things that you learned that you would have never guessed uh, at the outset or anything along those lines?
1: I certainly think, I don't think we would have expanded this fast. And, you know, COVID COVID attributed a lot of that. Um, And just, I guess you learn about the energy you put in and what you get out because we certainly always come with new ideas. We're always looking to get better we definitely don't want to do the same thing twice, and that's the culture that we've, we've created across the company, and I think it's um, it's led to our, our success. We're always having big capital projects that we're looking forward to, always meeting with architects, planning different things, and always looking at something, saying, what can we do here that's unique and dynamic? Um, like Tarsdale, for example, we're building a short course right now, a brand new teaching center. We just put TrackMan Range at Liberty Hill. Oh, wow. Um, Really I'm, a, I'm now officially
0: jealous. If you have TrackMan range, that's very <laughs> cool.
1: One of the coolest <laughs> things I've ever seen. TrackMan range. And, I mean, and we're going to get that at all three properties. We're going to build a short wow. course, probably at all three properties, and we're just keep trying to push the envelope a little bit. And um, <clears throat> members are, are used to it at this point. They're like, okay, what's next? You know, what prop? What course are you going to buy next? Or, or what's the big latest thing? And we don't like to disappoint. So um, it's it's really fun to work in a uh, an environment that. it, I haven't been bored in a long, long time, and I I can tell my team hasn't either. And it's it's just really fun.
0: That's awesome. Um, yeah, I've I've uh, uh, Hillcrest Country Club out here. I belong to Brentwood. Hillcrest put in TrackMan range when they, um, Kyle Phillips did a significant, I mean, a very significant read. Almost basically redid the whole course. Um, and as part of that, they put in a TrackMan range. That's a that's a Neat thing, I'm impressed you have at those places. Um, you mentioned Augusta National, which I I, I just wanna go back to for a minute because that was where, one of the stops you went along the way. And it's interesting because you mentioned some people you met there. I mean, what was that like? I mean, that that was, um, you did I think more merchandising stuff or maybe talk yeah. about what, what you did there and kind of what you just even getting a, I, I know it wasn't a long standing long-term position but what do you learn at a place like that? Cause they do everything so, so well.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. And it was really, I worked the tournament a few years in a row and became an employee of Augusta for that, which is very common. But, um, you know, Augusta would take a lot of a lot of uh, golf professionals, young golf professionals from from different clubs. And, you know, we would help manage or help work different different parts of the golf merchandising operation for the event or work the driving range, different things like that. Um, And Penn State is a huge uh, uh, conduit to, to Augusta and Marion has a huge connection to Augusta. Um, so I was just very blessed to to be able to to go there. But you know, you go there for the the week of the tournament. It's a, it's like a sacred place, and yep. stepping foot on, at Augusta is is amazing. And you're never going to see a better golf event in your life. It's just not going to happen. And it, it every golfer should be able to go see it once. Yep. I think
0: it's. That I special. agree.
1: Um, and it's even the same on the back end. So. You know the experience you have as an employee as a young impressionable golf professional looking to how to do something right they do it right and i at the time i had worked multiple u.s opens um i'd worked um a couple tour events at doral and, and seen many different tour events and, and USG championships and you just it's hard to match up to what augusta does year in and year out and when you see it on the back end, how you're treated and um how, how they set things up and Every year you go back, you see it gets better, and they're investing more in it. And all they care about is making it great. Um, It's really it's it's pretty remarkable, and it it made a huge impression on me, especially my current position of, you're just going to do it the right way. Yeah, I don't care how hard you have to work, just get it done, and um, that's the mentality they have, and it's really.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, that's all very well said. And that's interesting what you say about same on the back end, because I had one opportunity, uh, my great good fortune to go in 2016. Uh, the one time I've been there and I've, I've never seen, forget about golf, a sporting event, event of any sort as well run as, you know, from a fan. That's all I could speak of from a fan perspective as that was, I mean, just Everything was so well done. I mean, and it, it was—it's—it's it's amazing to actually see it. Um, and it—it's just a tremendous—it's tremendous. I—I I agree. Well,
1: and one takeaway that I—I—I I, I live with, for sure, is and it—it it, it changed my old school perspective on management. Is, um, you're treated like royalty as an employee there and when you get off the shuttle van they drop off property there's someone greeting you with, with you know a smile on their face and yeah. they're all they're, they care about is making you happy and you're, even the cafeteria your uniform yeah. the training sessions it's all fantastic and you have a tremendous pride and you want to you want to live up to their potential and i've learned that um, that's that's what we carry at the union league is you, you know you you treat your you treat your staff better than your your members actually because they're the ones creating the experience, and right. that, I think what Augusta does really well.
0: I, I, I well said. I, I totally agree. So with all of this, all these hats you wear, all these things you do, are you able to still play golf much? I played this morning. Yeah, there you go. I, I, okay, I, good to hear. So you able keep really your are you able to keep yeah. your game in shape at all, or, or um, how's that like? Because you seem to be. Don't. Yeah, busy. I don't play
1: a lot of competitive golf. Um, I started doing a lot of golf trips with members. I'm actually going to Scotland next week.
0: Oh, great.
1: Um, 11 members, which will be great. But I also have three, almost four kids at home. Um, and and it's difficult to break away like that. So I'm sure I, I went heavy with golf trips and do golf schools in Dominican and Dominican and do a lot of golf pro things. But life's getting a little hard to do those things nowadays. Um, but yeah, I, I was never as competitive as I was with my career. I was never that competitive on the golf course. And I, I've got a good golf game. Um, and you know, a very respectable game and, and enjoy playing so much, but I I you know, I like I like talking to the people I'm with rather than grinding half the time. Sure, sure. Playing a few tournaments a year, I'll try to play in the section championship and, and different things around the area. Um, but I'm just blessed to to be around the game each day.
0: Yeah, I hear you. So you mentioned the section. We should talk a little about that because it's a great one of the great PGA sections in America is the Philadelphia PGA section. Um to be sure. Um, you know, you mentioned, I talked to Scott, I talked to Jeff Kitty from around mink. I mean, just, it's, it's a great section. Um, talk about kind of what your impressions are of it. And I know you have a few different roles you have in it.
1: Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, we're blessed with great golf courses, but, but even better people, um, give you a great example. Just, just earlier this week, we, we hold something we call union league university. So we've got uh, this year, we have, 12 golf interns at all three of our properties, plus all our assistant pros and head pros. And once a year, we have a, a, a gathering. So they came here to our, our conference center. They stay overnight. And the next morning, we from 8 o'clock to 4 p.m., we put on speakers. So we had Aaron Waltz from Trackman come, Ed Mitchell from Mitchell Golf come talk about club fitting. Um, we had some representatives from Titleist, from Johnny O, all these different industry professionals and in different aspects of the business but then we let it off in the morning with a panel and it was me calling these three guys asking hey can you give me an hour and a half of your time to come over um on a monday morning it was scott Knight, jim smith from philadelphia cricket Club, So scott Knight from marion and then jeff katie from eronomic every one of them said absolutely and that's the kind of that's the kind of people we have and you know their staffs came over as well and joined in and, and it's just you know you got these these three brain trust in Philadelphia of these leading golf figures in some of the best clubs in the country. And they, they want to give back. Um, and it's just such a fraternal uh, thing that we've got in Philadelphia. We've got an excellent uh, executive director and, um, and just such a great, great team. We're very lucky. And, and the venues we get to play are fantastic. It's not six hours away like some other section. Right. You're right, right in the same area. Right. <laughs> it's in striking distance. So, um, yeah, it's a great golf culture. Philadelphia.
0: For sure. And, and it sounds like you keep involved with Penn State as well, right? Because um, I mean, it it is a, I don't know how it, I, I'm aware of the, you know, the, the the program you went through. I don't know. How, it's one of the best in the country for sure. Yes. Um, and and um, talk about maybe your continuing involvement with that and what that's been like now that you're on the alumni side of the line.
1: Sure, sure. So, we we stay in touch with Penn State. I'm I biased, of course, but I think it's the best program in the country. It's the most connected by far, um, of all of who is in the industry and, and who's moving the golf the needle with the game of golf in the private club world. And many others, but well, Penn State has a passionate group of uh, of staff and, and and alumni that really really give back in the same way. So I'm currently the, the alumni president of our, our little oh, alumni wow. board. That's really a supportive yeah. board for whatever the university needs. If we need to do fundraising, we put on a pro-am every year and um, we try to you know help their scholarship programs. We go out to the university and help, help align speakers to go speak to the student body and, and do a lot of like give back things. Um, it's all voluntary mm-hmm. and it's great. I mean, the, the, the talent that comes out of Penn State is great for the game of golf. Um, you know, right now it's funny. You see the Golf Digest article that came out recently about what it's like to be a golf pro is pretty, pretty dark and one sided. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it didn't really give the great sides. It didn't talk about the the things that we all got this business for. And we're trying to push that message back to these kids because I think they, you know, it's changing nowadays uh, of who wants to get into hospitality and who wants to get into golf. And I think you read an article like that and you get a little scared of, my gosh, I'm never going to gonna have a day off or it, um, it sounds awful, but really, I mean, there's so many amazing things about this business. And, you know, I got to spend, I got to spend a whole day alone with tiger woods and I got to have dinner with Phil Mickelson once and I get to travel in these wonderful places. And, um, you know, I think, I think these kids need to see that because it's such a wonderful occupation that I've been places in my life that I never ever would have been without it. And right. So great. So um, it's great to to have that connection to Penn State and to sort of help help push push the ball forward with uh, the, the golf program.
0: That's awesome. So let me get you out of here on this. Sort of looking forward. Of uh, I mean, your enthusiasm is so great and palpable, and the success the Union League has had on the golf side is is tremendous. Where do you see going out next five years, ten years? I mean, on golf and Union League. I mean, do you? So you're just kind of focusing on this. You always on the eye out for if there's other properties or other things to push forward. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, uh, we, we hosted the PGA Works Collegiate Championship this year, which uh, was an awesome event for us. It was a larger event um, with the Golf Channel being around. And I think we've got opportunities to host some, some bigger events. And we're going to look into that. And I'm very excited about that because it's putting us on a more national stage. Yeah, um, and there's some exciting opportunities that are coming a- across our, our desk and we're always looking at acquisitions, but I think we're, we're we're in a really good place right now with the three properties we have, especially geographically around Philadelphia. Um, what we're looking forward to is, you know, all these huge capital projects we have, we're building these really state of the art teaching centers that aren't just garages on the driving range. We want patios and bars and, and music and and, you know, inside outside golf for more than three people. and and really have uh, a 12 month operation for for our our members that I think could be a really social space that could be really neat. And we're designing that right now. And um, we're starting that at at Tarsdale next year, doing that here and then at the shore. So we've got exciting things there. And then the short courses we're building, we're building one at Tarsdale now, potentially one here at Liberty Hill, and then um, a whole new clubhouse and and short course and practice range at the shore. So we've got, a lot of these exciting projects lined up and um it's it's fun to to just kind of take something and keep going with it until until it's as good as it can possibly be
0: absolutely oh that all that that sounds awesome i mean i've seen you know the 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 sort of learning center indoor outdoor but not just hitting balls you know the social aspect to it you know with the i mean i that i've been seeing that more and more i mean uh the fellow, I, uh, I'm pretty good friends with a fellow named Brady Riggs. There's a top hundred teacher and he spends some time at uh, walleye on the big Island and they have a golf house. You, you could see it online and it's exactly the way you described it. It's sort of this indoor outdoor space. They've got all these monitors, you want to watch golf, you know, and they're hitting bays with all this stuff, but it's, it's much more than just, you know, measuring stuff on your, your swing. It's a whole experience. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, it's really cool, um, and that's 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 neat that you guys are thinking of going that doing that well, stuff.
1: We think there's more there's more than you know there's more than just tea times that members want to belong to a club.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> There's
1: way more than that. So you could have short course, you could have instruction, you can have your family yeah. learn. You, there's so many more things than just getting on the golf course. So I think uh, that's where we're going with golf is you got to broaden the horizon of how people can access it. Like Top Golf does in certain ways, but in certain ways, learn yeah, from that social model.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Hey, Sean, this has been fantastic. Um, as I said, you know, your enthusiasm is palpable and, and the Union League is, is lucky to have you. I think it's fantastic what you guys have done just in, you know, what is it, eight years um, in the golf area. And, and I can tell, you know, more fun stuff is to come. So thank you so much for spending the time. I really appreciate it. Oh,
1: Thanks, Larry. It's been fun talking to you and, uh, and best of luck with everything. Thanks for what you're doing for the game.
0: I appreciate it.